I think content is super important when we make the customer the hero, when we really focus on how are you suffering today? How can we come to your aid today? How can we make your world a little easier today? That's content that's going to break through. I guarantee it. That's content that's going to be different. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the High Level Spotlight Sessions, where we showcase awesome marketers doing awesome marketing. Today, I am joined by Mark Schaefer. He is a globally recognized marketer, educator, business consultant, and author. His clients have ranged from successful startups to global brands such as Adidas, Johnson & Johnson, Dell, Pfizer, the U.S. Air Force, and even the U.K. government. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm sorry you couldn't find an awesome marketer to be on your show today. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you've been in the business for a long time. It, you, it sounds like you've worked with clients of all sizes and all different shapes um, yeah. and forms. Mm -hmm. I was really excited to uh, come across you and your podcast a couple of weeks ago. I was super excited to get you on the show because I watched a little clip where you were talking about the three stages of rebellion. And yeah. I really want to flesh that out on the show today. I feel like a lot of times we on this show get stuck talking about really tactical things mm -hmm. and we don't often take a step back and think about marketing as, as a bigger picture. And so sure. I really feel like your stages of rebellion are an interesting framework for us to think about. So start us off. What, what are these stages and how'd you come up with them? Yeah. Well, so I actually wrote a book called marketing rebellion, which is a bit of a wake-up call for marketers. I feel that many businesses of every size are, are, are kind of stuck in a way. Every year, we do a little bit better. We want to do a little bit better on our advertising, on our conversions, on our content, on our SEO. But at the same time, our customers have taken a quantum leap away from us. They've got the accumulated knowledge of the human race in the palm of their hands, and they don't really need marketing like they used to. They need us to serve them in a different way. And they're rebelling whenever we um, try to interrupt them, whenever we try to spam them. And when I thought about history, I realized that this rebellion that we're in right now was totally predictable, that we're actually in the third rebellion. And every time businesses and marketers have abused and annoyed customers, they've rebelled and they've won. So there's a lesson here that when customers don't like what we're doing, we need to change because eventually they're going to win. The first <laughs> rebellion occurred in the 1920s, in the early days of marketing and advertising. And back then, marketing basically was lies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in America, we sort of have this phrase called snake oil salesmen, right? If they're selling something mm -hmm. uh, that's that's not you know ethical. Well, there really was snake oil back then that said it could cure everything. So the customers rebelled. That's how we got regulations through the FDA and the FTC. So the first rebellion was, don't lie to us. Hmm. The second rebellion occurred really when the internet began. Because back then, we made money on what people didn't know. We made, that's how we sold cars and vacation plans 
and insurance policies. That's where the margins were on what our customers didn't know. And with the internet, all of a sudden, everybody knows everything. They know more about our products than we do. So there are no more secrets. That's the second rebellion. And the third rebellion is really about control. The fact is, two-thirds of our marketing is occurring without us today. And that might seem uneasy to think about as a professional marketer. But if you think about how you learn about products and how you buy products, a lot of it comes from our friends. It comes from what we see being shared on social media, from mm -hmm. testimonies, from reviews, even from these crazy people we think of as influencers who are really just trusted authorities, trusted friends. So the rebellion we're in right now is really about control. A brand used to be what we told you it was. And today a brand is what people are telling each other. So we have to think about the real mindset chase for a successful marketing strategy today is how do we enter that two thirds? Instead of telling people how good we are, how do we get other people to tell how good we are? And that's really what the marketing rebellion is about. Hmm. I love it. And it's funny because, I mean, it's not funny. It's, it's fascinating that the things that happened all the way back in the 20s, I feel like people still have that distaste, right? Oh, that sure. 100%. Oil, we, we can sniff it out quicker than ever, but it stems yeah. from things that started all the way back then. And the second stage is interesting too, uh, you know, the lack of information and marketing, how it played with that. And like you said, now we've got all of the knowledge we ever, you know, in the world in our pocket and in two seconds or with a voice search, we can have that um, and know, you know, what the, what's going on. This third stage of control, I think is really fascinating. And I think a lot of us in our agencies still try to control the message, right? Mm -hmm. The ad needs to tell them, you know, that they're, they're deficient in something and, and this product or service is going to fix it. Yeah. Um, but when you think about it, the things that I buy, the things that I watch, the things that I consume, yeah, it's not, it's not that. It's somebody I follow on Twitter makes a recommendation. Yeah. Somebody's YouTube channel that I follow is talking about something. Yeah. And so how do we as marketers working with clients? I mean, I feel like this is um, at first thought a little more scary, a little less scalable. How do we <laughs> confine this into a package that we can charge our clients for? <laughs> I'll tell you, um, you know, it was scary to me when, when it, when I was doing research for this book, I, I, I researched this book for more than a year. And by the way, all these things I'm talking about, it's not my opinion. This is a, a very well-researched book with, with a lot of data from McKinsey and Deloitte and Accenture and Harvard and, and you know, a lot of places where we, we, it's just weaving it together. And like I said, sort of creating this, this wake-up call. And I remember there was a moment, Chase, where when you really look at the reality of marketing today, I almost lost my breath and thought, I don't know what it means to be a marketer today. If you really look at how the world works, we need to get ahead of this because trust in 
businesses, brands, and advertising has declined 13 years in a row. Mm. But decline in each other has gone up. We trust our neighbors, our family, our friends. We trust, by the way, business leaders, founders, technical experts, right? So increasingly, the personal brand is the brand. That's the person we want to listen to, right? Why was Elon Musk just named person of the year by Time Magazine? Uh, why wasn't it somebody from Ford or General Motors? Who do we love at Ford? Who do we love at General Motors? Nobody. How much, how many, much money? Anyone who works for either one of those companies. How much money does Tesla spend on advertising? You know what it is? Zero. Zero. Because they don't need to. Because they've got somebody out front who's representing the brand. He's creating all the buzz, right? The customers are the marketers. The customers are telling the stories. And so that's really what, you know, how, how we need to engineer things these days. And, and we, have, we need to look at new ways of connecting with our customers. We need to stop doing what customers hate. And we all know what that is because we're customers too. And when people do it to us, we want them to stop, right? Robocalls, spam, lead nurturing, which is just a friendly way of saying we're going to spam you until you block us, right? And then we need to figure out what do people love? You know, how, what, what do they need today? How do we help them make money, save money, have a happier life, a healthier life, you know, have more fun today? How do we come next, you know, come beside our customers at their point of need and, and help them in a useful way rather than interrupt them? And I also want to say, I'm not anti-advertising. I'm not anti-marketing at all. You know, I'm a professional marketer. But, and, and there's always going to be a place for advertising. But I think that these ideas are important to know because if you think about when I was a young guy, it was 90-10 the other way. For you to know about our product, you had to interact with our advertising. There was no marketing, no social media marketing. There was no internet. So now it's two thirds, the customers are in control. I could argue by 2030, as the digital natives take control of the purchasing processes, it's gonna be 90, 10 the other way. So we can't really resist this. We can't really refute this. We have to understand it. We can't run our agencies and our businesses based on what we wish it would be. We need to run it on what is and just learn as much as we can and, and like I said, the customers are going to win. Uh, and, and I mean, let me just give you one example of this. So a lot of the advertising agency was in turmoil. A lot of advertising world was in turmoil. When Apple took these, uh, these, these, they changed these regulations and how they governed their operating system to sort of like block out Facebook ads, right? And, and, and reduce... Uh, cookies that can that can track you and follow you, you know, and everybody's up in arms, and a lot of agencies are saying, "Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when we can't track people and follow people?" Apple didn't do this to hurt agencies. They didn't do this to hurt Facebook. 
they did this because they're getting ahead of the rebellion. Mm. Customers don't want that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's going to go away eventually. So we've got to find ways to connect with customers in new, more enlightened, more customer-centric ways. And we need to do it now because the customers will win. Hmm. That's really an interesting thought. And I mean, you know, a lot of what we do is nurture, right? We, we're a nurture automation platform. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a big piece of what we do, but it's interesting because in my inbox every day, I'm being nurtured by at any given time, who knows, 50 different li- people, lists, whatever. And what's, and most of them right away, you know, this is some spam from a nurture, right? And, and it, it's, it's in the trash. Um, but a couple of times a day, I'll open something, I'll be reading, I'll be thinking about it. And then it dawns on me, this too is nurture, but wow, did they do it creatively or differently? Or yeah. this is valuable to me. And it's sure. so that's shockingly a, a, different. Yeah, that's a big word, isn't it? It's valuable. Yeah. And it's shockingly dish, different. It, it makes it come across as audacious because maybe someone's really paying attention to you out there. <laughs> Right. And it's, it's jarring, right? When something does slip through your, your, your force field that we've all, you know, built up over the years, like you said, um, we, we sense spam instantly, Mm -hmm. but when something slides through, it's almost like you, you don't even realize it until you, you know, maybe you step back and and then think about it after a minute or whatever. But, um, you know, we definitely have to get creative and it's, it sounds like, uh, what you're saying, you know, it's, uh, you hear a lot about community building nowadays, yeah. right? That, that brands have to start fostering communities because that is going to be their marketing in the future, um, which is really interesting to me, right? You know, it, it makes sense to me on the one side, but then the other side, like the idea of my mom joining 20 different branded communities that she's really mm-hmm. going to love and engage with seems far-fetched mm-hmm. at the same time. So, are you seeing any brands heading in that direction successfully that stood out to you in your research, writing these books, any shining examples of people who are doing things yeah. um, right? Well, there are, a lot, there are a lot of them. And I, and I agree with you that I think this is one of the most powerful ideas. I think it's the future of marketing because we're, we're heading toward the streaming age, right? We're in the streaming age. And I think if you, if you think about your own content consumption, for me, my advertising consumption is down by 95% in the last five years. I watch more TV than I've ever watched in my life. I never see ads because it's on Netflix mm. or I'm watching Disney Plus. I listen to music all day long in the car, wherever I am. Listen to Spotify no ads, listening to audiobooks, no ads. So, so what's going to replace this? And there's a belonging crisis in our world. There really is. Before the pandemic, research was showing that the more time that people spend on the internet, the more lonely and isolated and depressed they feel. There's this, I mean, it's a belonging crisis. And now in the pandemic, it's really becoming a health epidemic. Is there a role for companies and marketers to help people belong? I say absolutely yes. And here's how you can tell. 
Here's a sign of the companies who help people belong. Laptop stickers. If you put a sticker on your laptop, it's almost like a tattoo, right? You're displaying to the world, I believe in this brand. This brand is part of me. They will not let me down. So go into a Starbucks, go into a pub, look at the laptops, look at the stickers on the laptops, look at t-shirts, look at hats. Here's a, okay, three, uh, what, five, six years ago, started noticing people wearing t-shirts and hats that said Yeti. I said, <laughs> wait a minute, that's an ice cooler. It's a freaking ice cooler. Why in the world would anybody wear a hat for, a, for an ice cooler? How do you belong to an ice cooler? And yet, undeniably, millions of people do. They mm. absolutely think they belong to this brand. Now, how did Yeti create that? No advertising. It was all word of mouth marketing. It was mm. all, you know, it was all organic. It was using influencers, right? And 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 it, it became, it wasn't a business. It was a movement. Mm, yeah. In some in some ways, it's a lot easier to create a movement than a business, right? I mean, I'm surprised, business, you know, that we still haven't found like there hasn't been a breakout platform for buying media through micro influencers right like mm -hmm. every town has yeah there are a handful there are, of moms are, yeah there are 10,000 followers platforms. yeah there are a few platforms like that do you There's think we'll, go, we'll see more of that moving forward like making that whole process easier where you know i take a new client oh know, yeah whatever oh, yeah. whatever town but i can find the micro influencers yeah you know, i mean you know i think that whole area is is still developing. It's mm -hmm. it's very immature. Um, you know, I, there are th really three kinds of influencers, right? I mean, one is a celebrity like Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. One is the creator like me and you, for whatever. Uh, Thank you. You know, whatever. Well, you know, I'm making assumptions here, <laughs> but uh, you know, so however we're known in our industry. It's because the it's because of the content we're creating and how we're engaging with people. It has nothing to do with hey, we were in a movie or we were on the news, right? Mm -hmm. So that's creators, and then the third would be you know advocates. So they're you know micro influencers, nano influencers, whatever you want to call them, right? Yeah. They do it basically for the pure joy of it, mm -hmm. um, and they don't really expect to be paid. Maybe they want to be an influencer someday. So the celebrity piece is very mature. We've been doing that. I mean, the first celebrity influencer was Charlie Chaplin and Babe Ruth. Mm. They were more making more money hawking, you know, cigarettes and hot dogs than they were making movies and playing baseball. The creator piece of that, you know, that's coming along. That really started with the power of the internet and the, the, the power being transferred, the influence being transferred from big media companies to individuals who can grow their own audience. And that's maturing. I, I mean, there's been a tremendous amount of progress on the creator side, right? Mm -hmm, totally. And then there's this whole Web3 thing going on now, right? Where creators are creating their own mini economies 
oh my gosh, you know, what's that going to mean to brands? Wow. I mean, there's mind blowing stuff going on. And then there's the advocates. And, and this is the part where, you know, microinfluencers can opt into different programs. There are things going on like that now, but you know, it's, it's still immature. Measurement is difficult. There's a lot of gaming going on right now, but it'll get there because mm-hmm. as I said, you know, where, where are people going to put, you know, how are they going to promote their products if ad consumption is going down so dramatically? You know, they've got to be looking at content, community, influencers, mm-hmm. word of mouth, experiential. Well, let's right? talk about content for a minute, because I think you're right on that one is that it, it has come such a long I'm right way. on all of them. Well, sure. <laughs> I think I do uh, say so myself. A, a point that you made uh, that I want to flesh out is that in the world of content, the the price of it all has come down to to like nothing, right? We have all these tools at our disposal to produce professional quality content on such a small budget, and it fits in with what you're saying, right? We've we've built up force fields. We recognize spam and crap and marketing, but if you produce something of interest. There's, it's never been easier for me to spread that through my network faster. And so I think that's a, a real opportunity that a lot of agencies aren't helping their clients with in a way that where they could, which is, hey, yeah. we need to tell your story through content and allow your customers and your community to share the message amongst themselves instead of trying to force the message down on them. Well, again, it's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, you, you made two key points here, but, you know, you know, one perspective it is, and I, and I think this is a great myth in content marketing today that we say, all right, we're an agency and we're going to help you tell your story. Let's find your why. Let's look at the arc of your narrative. And here's the truth, Chase. Nobody really cares. I mean, we really care about our why, our mm-hmm. story, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's fine. You were founded in 1888 and you used to be a saddle company. And well, that's mildly interesting. But what about me? I've got a problem today. So, I mean, I think content is super important when we make the customer the hero, when we really focus on how are you suffering today? How can we come to your aid today? How can we make your world a little easier today? That's content that's going to break through. I guarantee it. That's content that's going to be different because everybody's just copying each other, right? Mm -hmm. The second key point, you talked about moving the content. This is another big myth is that there's absolutely no value to pushing publish, right? The Mm -hmm. economic value of content that's not seen and shared is zero. It has to move. And this is where another opportunity for agencies, you're publishing, but it's not moving is has to move i think social sharing is the most important digital marketing metric second only to conversions because this is exactly what we talked about and this is the opportunity for agencies if people don't believe or see our ads they do believe each other especially content that's shared between each other if we can create content that moves, then 
that is really creating the economic value of our digital marketing. That is organic advocacy. That is going to be believed and seen and acted on better than any ad we will ever take out because we believe each other. If our friends, our neighbors, our family are sharing interesting, helpful content with us, you know, I don't care where it comes from. Yeah, you know, I exactly. just bought an I just bought an expensive piece of luggage. You know, didn't even know anything about this company because a trusted friend who's like a luggage geek shared this content with me, right? I can't even tell you the name of the company right now, but I trust him. I didn't want to do all the research. It's intimidating. I don't want to make the wrong decision. I know I'll make the right decision because I trust him. You know, I bought luggage with a lifetime guarantee. You know, I need that. Yeah. So let's end with community because I think this is a, this is one that a lot of people have a hard time, you know, coming up with ideas for conceptualizing. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the ideas that I've seen that I thought were really interesting. And and let me know if you agree that if you think we're going to see more of this, Mm. a lot of our, uh, a lot of high level agencies work in the traditional industries, right? Home services, medical, these types of uh, solar, these types of industries. And one of our customers did something really creative with, I don't, I think it was like an insurance brokerage or whatever, like the local insurance company. Um, And they organized this scavenger hunt event and they used high level to deliver the emails and the text messages of like the clues. And they moved, you had to basically visit a bunch of local businesses along the way. And through that, they created this community, this network where the, the client was able to get their message out, right? They were introduced to all these potential B2B clients and, and you know everybody thought great about it. I could see things like you know your local dental practice hosting a monthly barbecue or something that becomes yeah. a thing and it gets the community yeah. together and, and people get on the list and things like that. Are we gonna see more of this where things that don't traditionally make sense for a business to be doing? Well, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it's not going to make sense all the time. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was consulting with a local uh, dealer, car dealership, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And they, they have, they, they, they do luxury cars. And honestly, I mean, they're still in the old sales mode. They're doing TV advertising. They're doing yeah. newspaper advertising, right? It's just, and it's um, frankly kind of annoying and when you get to the agency, it's the same old sales tricks. It's the same annoying stuff. I'm thinking, you know what? They have all the potential of the world here. They have these amazing cars. You know what? I would love to come here some evening and just talk to someone who works on these cars. Give them a presentation. What if they brought in someone who helped design one of these cars? Yeah. Or just explain something about the car. And maybe you have wine and cheese, right? Now, you're going to go out and tell everybody about this. And if you have a good time, you're going to bring more people next time. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cost you a fraction, a tiny fraction of what it's going to cost to do those TV ads, right? Mm. And you, what, what's great marketing, Chase? It's about building an emotional connection between what you do and your and your audience, your customers, your potential customers. What's the emotional connection 
of someone interrupting your football game and shouting at you because it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, 2020 cars now, you know, on great discount, whatever, you know, it's, you know, who cares? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what a Hemi engine is. I don't care about torque. You know, most people, you know, most people probably don't, but I'd love to come to some little event, actually meet people that are doing something with these cars, meet other people who are geeking out about this stuff for a fraction of the cost. You're building emotional connection between you and the people that are, you know, that are most interested in your cars, the actual people who work at the dealership. It will cost you almost nothing. But alas, people aren't listening to me, but they need to listen to me. That they, everybody should listen to Mark. That experiential marketing is very is a huge opportunity, and huge. I love the idea of leveraging the brands. Right, if you're in solar, get a rep from Tesla to come by and do an event around it, where people can sure. meet somebody from the company. You know, if we did a lot of med spa marketing, get somebody from Botox to come by. Oh, like people, yeah. oh, the idea oh, of getting yeah. to meet the brand is very yeah. interesting. Oh, the med spa thing. I mean, it's huge, huge opportunities there. There was a statistic I saw, in fact, it's in the Marketing Rebellion book, that uh, of young people today, 50, 50% said it's important for me to be acknowledged by my friends on social media. Mm-hmm. 60% said it's important to be acknowledged by my favorite brands. Mm-hmm. That's more important than their friends. So think about what he just said, because I love this idea of your clients being the conduit between the community and household brand names. Yes. And those brands have reps. They would love to come and visit a community, right? Right. That's what they do. But the, you know, you need, you can be the connector of that. You can be the facilitator of the, the registration process, the reminders to make sure people show up, all that kind of stuff, the nuts and bolts of it. But I love that idea of being the conduit between big, big brand names and a local community. Yeah. And remember what we talked about. Let's get right back to the beginning. What's the goal? We have to enter that two thirds, right? That's where the sales are occurring from our friends, from our family, from influencers, from leaders, right? How do we get those stories into the community? There's Mm -hmm. lots of ways to do it. Mm -hmm. Experiential marketing that we talked about is just one going to an event and then saying, Oh my gosh, you would not believe what I got to see. And and, Oh, by the way, I'm taking a picture of myself next to this car or next to this engineer. And I'm putting it on Instagram, right? You're giving people an excuse to share your story. That's, you know, like I said, it's better than shouting, shouting at people on, television ads that they're not going to see anyway. How many local dads would love to go get their picture taken with the guy that designed the newest Ford Mustang or the guy who, you know, built whatever the engine or I don't know, but I, yeah, I mean, make it a family that. event, bring yeah. the kids, bring everybody, you know, <laughs> yeah. Popcorn and hot dogs. That's Mark, right. I know you've, uh, I don't want to keep it for too long, but I know you've got a new book out, which, so is it one of those up there on the shelf? Cumulative advantage. Yeah, it's the yellow one with the it's it's a hint at the Mandalorian on the cover. Oh, nice. I love the Mandalorian. So what's this one about? Well, it's really about creating how to create momentum 
for your ideas, your business, and your life against all odds. And the reason I say against all odds is because as you and everyone listening today knows it's hard out there. It's difficult out there. And, and, and here's the question on every person's mind. Here's the job they're working on every single day. How can we be heard? How can we be seen? How can we be discovered? That's, that's basically all we work on, right? Mm-hmm. And we're working, we're living in a world where even if we're great, chances are we're being buried. Even if we're doing our best work, it's so hard to rise above the noise sure. and be seen and be heard. So this led me to this idea of momentum. If you're kind of stuck, what do you do? What are your options? I'm not the kind of guy that says, okay, life is hard. You know, I don't know if we're going to be seen and heard. No, I want to figure it out. I want to know what are our options. So let me this idea of momentum. How can we get lifted to the next level? And what I learned, Chase, is that there's actually a lot of science behind this in the field of sociology. They've been studying this for years and years and years, but no one's ever really taken these ideas and this research and applied it to common people and common businesses. And the most exciting thing about this book is that there is nothing in this book that can't be done by any person or any business. It, you just have to be aware of how the process works, how the world really works. You don't need a million dollars. You don't need you know, special friends of influence. You don't need a Harvard you know, education. If you just know how this pattern of momentum works, then you can start, you see the world in a whole new way. Mm. And then you start to think about, all right, how do I put this work to work for me? And, and you know, as we were talking about before the show, this is a period of limitless opportunity to create momentum because there are so many changes going on in our world right now with the pandemic, there is a world of unmet and underserved brand new customer needs that's waiting uh, for solutions and uh, it's waiting for someone to create momentum in those areas. Mm, Nice. Cool. So Cumulative Advantage uh, by Mark Schaefer. I'm assuming we can get this on Amazon. Yep. You can get it. Bookstores. Yep. You can get it where all books are sold. Nice. Well, Mark, thanks so much for coming on to chat with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you in the next one.